As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but really quick, got to let the stream breathe just for a couple of seconds while we make sure we got Facebook on with us. And we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, is my partner in crime, my fellow football priest, my co-host. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. And Zach, as football priests here, sometimes our job is to help the community in Broncos country and MHH exercise the demons, get things off their chest, get it out, you know, let them express things. It's like in a confessional, you know, you get it off your chest and that's what we're here for. There's, there's really no positive way to, I mean, we can find a few positive performances today and and we'll get to those, but there's no real positive takeaway coming out of this game in terms of what it all means. Like big picture today proved it wasn't just like you said in your prediction in the mile high round table, the Broncos could make this a close game you know, moral victories are not something you want to hang your hat on, but at least it would tell us if they're close enough or getting closer, I should say, to the Chiefs. And it wasn't a close game. It was a, it was probably the biggest blowout of this 10-game losing streak era. It was Denver's own fault. Four turnovers, yeah. a 102-yard kick return. What's your, what's your main takeaway coming out of Week 7? Well, I agree with yours. I'll let you, uh, I'll give, let you give that to the audience, but – I look for a silver lining in this game. What I wrote in the mailbag was, it depends which Broncos team we get against the Chiefs. Are we going to get the team that faced the Patriots last week or the team that opened the season, how they did, coming up small in big situations? Unfortunately, for your points that you're going to make, I agree. They came up short today. They came up small today. They weren't ready. They were outclassed in every way and every phase by the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not a guy who lives on silver linings, but I will say this. They lost 43 to 16, but they held Mahomes to 15 of 23, 200 yards and one touchdown. And entering, you know, the last couple minutes of the third quarter, that touchdown was in garbage time with the game well in hand. They kept Mahomes in check and they did that again without Von Miller. So the Broncos defense, if you look for any silver lining, it might be a bronze lining in this situation. But if you look for any silver lining in this game, it's that the Denver defense came to play today in the snow against a tough opponent against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. They weren't perfect, 
But the Broncos, like you mentioned, were done in by their own incompetence. And like we mentioned on the halftime stream, to face the Chiefs is like facing the Patriots back in 2005. You have to face them perfectly. You can't commit any mental mistakes, uh, miscues on the field. You have to play perfect. The Broncos were far from it from the opening whistle, so the final score is no surprise. You know, another positive coming out of this game, which makes the incongruency of it all so mystifying, is the fact that they pretty they ran the ball with authority. I mean, they rushed for 177 yards as a team, yeah. averaging 5.4 yards per clip. Now, a lot of that, Zach, is thanks to the inspired running of Philip Lindsay, who got hurt in the first half with a concussion, but he left the field with nine carries, nearly 80 yards, and everything was rolling well. And even Melvin Gordon, who obviously, you know, not the same dynamic, explosive playmaker as a runner, at least in this game, as Philip Lindsay, you know, he still was able to find some good purchase in the second half on the ground. Royce Freeman, three carries, 12 yards. You know, this was, there are a few positives, but Zach, the main thing here is that the Denver Broncos, we, you know, if you look at week seven as a litmus test, the Broncos failed it. I mean, huge, yeah. right? It shows that they're nowhere close to the juggernaut. They're nowhere close. And if you look at it rationally, how can they be? I mean, first and foremost, you're without your franchise defensive player, Von Miller. You're without your number one wide receiver and pro bowler, Cortland Sutton. You're without your five-time pro bowl defensive tackle, Jarrell Casey. However, Zach, the flip side to that coin is the Broncos got healthy or as healthy as they possibly could leading up to this game. Bouye, Jones, and Walker all coming off injured reserve, plus you had the return of Locke and Lindsey last week. I mean, this was a team that was as close to as full strength as it's ever going to get in the 2020 season, and they just shot themselves in the foot. I mean, there's no other way to explain it, and I don't even think it's that the Broncos aren't as talented. They're obviously not as well coached, but I really think it just comes down to the fact that the Chiefs are still living in their head rent-free. This is a team, the Denver Broncos, Zach, who just, they can't overcome that mental block. Oh, my gosh, it's the Chiefs. They played tight. They didn't play loose and with confidence today. They were pressing. And when you're pressing, I mean, it doesn't matter what you're doing, if what line of work you're in or what aspect of your personal life. When you press, bad things tend to happen. And that's how it shook out for the Broncos today. But I, as, as you said, though, Zach, I liked the defense kept this game in check if the offense and special teams don't shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what I would always say about teams that face the Patriots in the mid-2000s or the early two, you know 2010s. It was like they played the Patriots and we're playing New England. We, we have to be perfect. When you, when you have that kind of mentality in your head, when you, you know, deify an opponent, that's what happens. You, you make them bigger than they are and you make yourself smaller in the process. It's really psychological. You can apply that to any facet of life, but that's what the Broncos have done today. And most of it is rightfully so. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. They have the best quarterback in the NFL, best quarterback of this generation. They just won a title. They're atop the mountain right now. The Broncos are nowhere close to that, but they, the Broncos defense prove once again, they can limit Mahomes. And I wrote this. In, in the game prediction, if they can limit Mahomes, it's up to the Broncos offense. And it's the same story since 2016. The defense will do enough and the offense and the coaching, the situational coaching in this game, because it wasn't just the players. It always lets the Broncos offense down and the D can only pull the weight for so long. And the offense comes up small. If they didn't have the turnovers, if things broke a certain way, you know, it would have, could have, should have, but it didn't. To limit Mahomes to those numbers, though, and, and lose by that much, that speaks to a lot more than just one side of the ball. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of this too falls on, <clears throat> excuse me, and don't take this the wrong way. 
I think a lot of this falls on Drew Locke in terms of, you know, you want to talk about the emotional component. I mean, the broadcast did a pretty good job of laying it out, especially at the end there. But, you know, he has got to overcome the fact that this is the Locke family chiefs, right? Yeah. The, the, his greater family, you know, his, his immediate family and all his uncles and cousins and everybody, they're all huge chiefs fans. And why wouldn't they be? They grew up in greater Kansas city. That can't, that's just got to go away. And Drew Locke, you know, I mentioned this, how it slightly irritated me earlier this week. It wasn't the media that brought, that brought up for the first time in his presser on Wednesday, the whole Chiefs thing and the home home team dynamic, you know, being that that was the team he grew up rooting for as a fan and all that. Right. He's the one that brought that up, which the reason it irritated me is it tells me it's still very front of brain. And what that tells me, the fact that it's still front of brain is that it's factoring into the equation. And at this stage in his career, second year pro, you're in the NFL, you're at the highest level. It shouldn't factor in anymore, dude. You got to move beyond this. It can't be a part of the entire um, ball of wax in preparation leading up to, to a tough divisional foe. And, you know, the Chiefs are the juggernaut. We're going to get more into it, guys. We got so much to get to, and we got plenty of time to do so. But first, we got to handle a couple of really quick matters of business. Guys, this live stream pod, it's brought to you by sportsbetting.com. Right now, gambling is legal in the state of Colorado. Here is what makes sportsbetting.com a no brainer for sports fans. You get sharp odds, you get low juice. They have their own in house bookmakers, which means they're not using a third party for their odds. All right. Reduced juice, best, uh, best prices, and you get hassle free bonuses, 24 7 live customer support. And it's always a real person in the United States. But here's the kicker, gang. Pay close attention because this has changed. At sportsbetting.com, right now you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to 1000 bucks, And it's not just one bet, all of your bets. Play for a week. If your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover those losses 100% up to 1000 bucks, And you can roll that over one time. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle and capitalize on a risk free week of sports betting up to $1,000. And Zach, we got so much more left to get to just really quick. So I'm going to be very quick here in uh, the matters of business. Follow the podcast on Twitter at huddle up pod. Also the main account at mile high huddle guys, just a gentle reminder, check out the merch store. When you get some time, the link is in the description here of this live stream. It's another way to, Support what we're doing here at MHH. Get your swag on. Get a hat, get a T-shirt, get a hoodie, get a face mask, mug, little something for everybody. It's another way to support what we're doing here. And if you're not in a position to do that, it's okay. Each and every one of you can do these three things. Subscribe, like, share. That's the biggest litmus test. You want to talk about a litmus test or a testimonial? The greatest thing for Zach and I to know whether or not we're doing a good job is whether or not you share this content, especially on YouTube, especially on Facebook, and especially on Twitter. So it's, these three things, all of you can do, whether you're listening now with us live or after the fact on demand, we appreciate you. Those three simple things help us out a ton. And then a shout out to our Facebook community, which continues to grow exponentially. If you would like to become an official supporter of Mile High Huddle, just go to facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle, the main page, and you'll see the big blue button, become a supporter. We have some really fun, cool content coming down the pipe that is going to be designed specifically and only for our Facebook supporters. So shout out to you guys. We really appreciate our Facebook community. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site. 
out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Listen up, Broncos country. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability, their brand was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world that has a mission to restore America's rivers. Never before has it been so easy to make an impact and make a difference and do good in the world. Coors Hard Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, simply by cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways, guys, they are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. And through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers. Wrap your brain around that. And the communities that depend on them, it's so important. The results, 1 billion, that's with a B gang, gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. And here's what's great about Coors Hard Seltzer. Four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in, gang. Coors Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories. Chad, I got to say, for last Sunday's slate of NFL games, I picked up a Coors Hard Seltzer and Mango. Loved it. This week, I picked up a Coors Hard Seltzer and Black Cherry. Loved it even more. So, guys, whether you want to support the cause or like the flavors, you won't be disappointed with a Coors Hard Seltzer. Amen. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It is that simple. Visit CoorSeltzer.com to find Coors Seltzer near you. That's CoorSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 8-31-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, Zach, let's grab a couple of supers, get caught up a little bit here. Jake Gerard jumping in, superstar. Appreciate you, Jake. He says, uh, that's right, Jake is in first, setting the tone of the discussion. Appreciate that. Um, He says, we will never win with this coaching staff. We are not even close to being good. We are the worst in the AFC West. You know, there's a lot I would pick bone-wise with that statement, Jake. I'll agree with you, Zach, and then let's serve this over to you. I'll agree that this coaching staff for its – for all of its veteran wherewithal, it, it still continues to have so many pesky, persisting foibles, just things where you scratch your head and you're like, really? I mean, we talked about this in the halftime stream, but that pick six that really just swung momentum for once and for all, like, good, you're done, Broncos. That pick six, 
it shouldn't have come to that. The Broncos were rolling on the ground on that drive, moving the ball with authority with Philip Lindsay. And then in two weird uh, sequence, two place uh, sequence, they throw deep on first down. It's way wide. It's way long. I should say incomplete. And then they go empty on second and 10 posing no threat to the defense that we're going to run the ball. So the safeties, they can just read and do what, you know, jump the route and it was over. So the coaching staff continues to be a question mark. I think Zach is fair to say. I'm glad you're finally getting on the train, Chad. Yeah, I'm not going to blame Pat Shermer exclusively for the Broncos' struggles or Drew Locke's struggles, but how about the flea flicker he's calling in the snow? Like, why? What? What is the situational play calling? What is the situational management about? That's what the, the the nitpick I have. He has decent game plans. He wants to be aggressive, but it's how he's going about it, how he's managing Drew Locke. Same as last week when he dialed up a deep ball after the interception. That's my biggest gripe. I. And But to say they're never going to win, I mean, these are the same reactionary knee-jerk, and these are predictable statements that fans have emotionally after a game. We were hearing the opposite last week. They beat the Patriots. The Broncos are going to go to the playoffs now. The Broncos are going to be a 10-win team now. And they lose pretty handily. Now the Broncos are, are trash now. They're somewhere in the middle. The truth is somewhere always in the middle. They're not as bad as they were today, and they're not as good as some fans may have thought they were after last week. Have to let it play out a little more. I think they're good on defense, Chad. I think Vic Fangio, I'm starting to buy in a little more. He's settled down the last couple of weeks. His game plans have been good. I still think he's better as a defensive coordinator than a head coach because he didn't have the Broncos ready to play today. But his defensive schemes are good. McMahon needs to go, so they need to fire him. And the jury's still out on Pat Shermer. So far, I don't think he's any upgrade, truthfully, maybe from a slight play-calling perspective, over Rich Gangarello. He hasn't developed uh, Drew Locke the way I would have envisioned he would as his guru. So I'm leaning toward him saying he's a bad hire, but I'm not you know, casting any certain judgment on him just yet. I want to let the season play out. And this is coming from a big Shermer critic. So if I'm saying that, guys, just hang in there a little more. Let's see how things bounce bounce back. Drop your pocket jumping in. Appreciate the super, my friend. And he says, just here to sit to hear everybody defend Locke. And that kind of ties into a lot of comments we're getting, like with Philip here. I'm done with Locke. It's guys, you're nine games into your quarterback career and you're done with Locke. I mean this is the juggernaut Chiefs. Now, I'm not trying to defend Locke per se and tell you, like, you know, this he didn't play well uh, or that he – I mean, you can't. The tape doesn't lie. Even upon first viewing, if, even if you're watching at home on a television broadcast, he did not he play did not well. play well. No. And it was obvious. It was between his ears. The dude has the talent. And I'll say this. I, I said it before the Broncos drafted him, and I'll say it again now, sitting here week 7, October 25th, 2020. Drew Locke has so many of the franchise caliber tools that NFL teams search for and covet. He's got to put it all together, though, in order to fully embody what it means to be a franchise quarterback. And the emotional component in terms of the Chiefs, unfortunately, it continues to be a theme for him. And that's what concerns me. I'm like, come on, dude, you're a pro. This shouldn't be a big deal. Like if Chad Jensen gets drafted into the NFL, a kid that grew up idolizing John Elway, and I get drafted to the Chiefs or I get drafted to the Raiders or the Chargers. Look, guys, I you know, I grew up, my loyalties were to the Broncos, but look, that becomes very old news to me because someone else is signing my check and it's a big ass check, right? I don't care anymore. Oh, you want to talk about the fact that I grew up a Broncos fan? Yeah, that's cute. I'll talk about it maybe the first time you mention it. The second time you mention it, I'm saying, next question, what are we doing here? We're all adults. I don't care if I grew up. Why, why are we bringing this up? But Drew Locke is the one that continues to bring this up. And for whatever reason, 
Zach, it, it to me, it's slightly concerning. It's still on his mind. He, he's yeah. got to let it go. Well, it's also up to the head coach. I don't want to exonerate Vic Fangio in this situation, but it's up to the head coach to have his, all his players prepared to face an opponent. And he did not have Drew Locke or Pat Shermer, for that matter, ready to play the Chiefs. Mental, roadblock or not, facing his home state team or not, Chad, he should be ready to face all opponents with no emotional attachment in them. The only thing I will say to Broncos country, why does it have to be one or the other? Why does it have to be an either or? Why does it have to be it was all on Drew Locke or all on Pat Shermer? It's, it's not mutually exclusive. It's both. They were both bad. Both were bad today. Both let the Broncos down today. They both looked up and down at certain points this season, but they both failed Denver today. I'm not sitting here and defending Drew Locke and saying he played great today. He didn't. He needs to be a lot better than that. It was unjustifiable, indefensible, but same. a lot of that also applies to Pat Shermer, and I think there's an agreement we can all find somewhere in the middle. Our friend Tony jumping in, discount audio and wheels, DA dubbed. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate the super chat and support. He says, what's up, fellas? Flew in to check out today's game, and it was awful. Our defense played very well, but let's be honest, our offense is bad. Drew Locke has regressed. Shermer has not helped him along, uh, helped him. Long flight back home, or go Broncos. So he flew in for the game, it sounds like. Unfortunately, mm. it wasn't a win. Tony, I'm sorry to hear that for you, my friend, but, you know, I, it's 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 really, for me, it, I know, guys, you, you, you can criticize this and say it's coming off as homerism, but... This is the third complete game we've seen from Drew Locke in 2019. I can't say yet that he's regressed. There's not enough for me yet to say he's regressed. Yes. His stat line, Zach, and, and, and then I'll grab Smith Corona here, is not good. We'll get to that in just a second. But Smith Corona has been waiting a minute, so let's grab him as well. Locke is talented, he says. Thank you, Smith Corona. Uh, but makes the worst decisions. The he's young or he's a gunslinger excuses are tiring to me. He's not a rookie. It sucks, especially when other young QBs are doing great. It, they're not excuses. He is young. It's his ninth career start. This is the this, the first time this season he started two consecutive games in a row. It was in the snow, which is no big excuse, but he is young. He hasn't had a full rookie season if you want to, you know, bit, 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 get technical and split hairs. Nine career starts. He played in a handful of games last year. He got hurt again this year. He has no continuity. It's, it's, a, it's a weird offseason. It sounds like excuses, but those are the facts. Patrick Mahomes struggled his rookie year. Lamar Jackson struggled his rookie year. It takes time for quarterbacks to develop in this league. And even in a perfect situation, there's always the ups and downs. There's always the roller coaster. And Broncos country should have been prepared for the good and the bad. Winning season or not, you were going to go through the ups and the downs with Drew Locke. That's just the player of his caliber. This is how he gets better, though. And it sounds like an excuse again, but this is the type of player Locke is. He will get better from this performance, and we will know next week. And it's important to keep in context, guys, that it is the juggernaut Chiefs. And we talked a lot about this during the halftime stream. But look, man, if you're trying to compare Drew Locke to the unicorn that is Patrick Mahomes, the comment about it's hard to see Locke struggle like this when so many young QBs are balling out, who are we talking about? Justin Herbert? He's looked good. Today it's looking like it's going to be his first win as a starting quarterback in the league. Who else? Who else are we talking about are these young quarterbacks? Lamar? You could even throw him in as as a unicorn caliber quarterback that just yeah. you know hits the ground running. But like Zach has said, he had some struggles, especially as a passer, his rookie year. And then in the playoffs, he's disappeared two years in a row. Who are these young quarterbacks that you are pointing to that are just blowing the doors down? I'm curious to know. Because every young quarterback, honestly, with, with the exception of Patrick Mahomes, I think, Zach, Patrick Mahomes is the first quarterback ever. Seriously, who else? to step into a starting role so young in his career 
and basically go from zero to 60 MVP with no bumps along the way. I mean, they were, they were one penalty away in that 2018 AFC championship game of going to the Super Bowl and perhaps going for a three-peat right now. He's a unicorn. All right. My point is you can't compare Drew Locke to the Patrick Mahomes of the world. All right. You gotta, you gotta basically compare him to the traditional rookie learning curve and, and not rookie traditional young quarterback learning curve. And Zach, I get that what has changed in the NFL is that, you know, you, it's different than the old days where you could go four five, six, seven years trying to develop a young quarterback in today's day and age. I mean, you really do have about a two to four year window to make a decision on a quarterback by that point, two years in, if you don't have a strong answer in terms of, is this our guy? You know, you're you're probably better off to turn the page and, and find someone else if you don't feel that way. And for Drew Locke, Zach, it's it's just too early to say that. He's nine games in. It's it's way too early. And I understand the Broncos' frustrations in the fan base. I understand they've been waiting since Peyton Manning for that franchise quarterback. And look who they failed on. They drafted, they signed. Nothing's really worked out. But, again, what was your realistic expectation for Locke this year? It comes down to that. Did you think it was going to be a Mahomes-Lamar Jackson type of year? Did you think it was going to be a four or 5,000-yard season? I was prepared. Chad was prepared. Most Broncos fans were prepared for these ups and downs. And coming into a game where, again, he shorthanded down his number one receiver. He lost Philip Lindsay again. He has a bunch of new offensive linemen. His tight end was hobbled. A new scheme that he's learning. I mean, these are not excuses. These are just facts. And whether you, how that registers to you is the difference on Drew Locke, whether they're facts or excuses. You can be impatient. You can be done with him. For the fact of the matter, though, he is going to get the rest of the season, barring another injury, to show whether he is or is not the guy. And if he is not the guy, anyone who thought he was going to be the guy will stand up here and eat crow. But we just cannot say one way or the other that he's not it yet. Let it let just a little more play out and a little more consistency before we dub him a bust. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. Brandon says, and thank you for the super, Brandon. He says, Drew just isn't it. Strong arm, but has very little deep ball accuracy. Lost after his first read. And when you look at Herbert, it just stings as a fan. Again, the Herbert stuff, like today is his first win. I mean, do you want to be the Jeff George of the world that puts up the stats and can never get the dub? I mean, I think for what it's worth, it's I'm, it's looking like I have to eat crow on Justin Herbert. You know, I throw some shade and, and joke. It's looking like he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. I, I had a hard time believing in him as a prospect, but it's looking like it. But still, if you compare his accomplishments in the NFL up to this point, it's actually pales in comparison to a lot, unless you want to just go purely off box score stats. Okay. Um, John, we've got uh, who else we got? We got, uh, do you have Coach Chris? 
If not, I'll grab them. I just want to say thanks. Coach Chris did not have an actual comment, but uh, Coach Chris just wanted to say we really appreciate your support, my friend, and your generosity. I The stream jumped you, so I can't show your, your actual Super Chat card, but here's Coach Chris. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Generosity, my friend. Uh, John, do you have Eddie Vasquez? If not, I can grab him here. Man, the stream is just moving hot and heavy. Zach, who were some of the players while I set up a few of these supers that the stream jumped? Let's just turn the page for a second. Who were some of the players that you, that impressed you in this game? Uh, right away. I mean, early on, Tim Patrick did. He was just doing Tim Patrick-type things. He had some sort of chemistry with Drew Locke. Obviously, Philip Lindsay ran super hard, and I think most, most Broncos fans have come around to him being way more of an RB1 than they thought he was going to be going into the season. Bradley Chubb looked like Bradley Chubb of old again. I think this, it's safe to say that he's back. Uh, he's a force off the edge. Um, I thought the, the secondary held up pretty well for the most part. I think Malik Reed did really well off the edge. Uh, it's It wasn't a, a great game overall, though, Chad. It, it wasn't a lot of superstar performers. I think those are the ones that jumped to mind to me immediately. I want to get more into that. Eddie Vasquez, appreciate you, my friend. He says, number three has to step into his throws. The D wasn't good, but wasn't horrific either. Bad play calls. A lot went wrong, but where lies our biggest issue? Honestly, I think the biggest issue is the coaching staff offensively getting on the same page. And and Zach's talked about it. Situationally, the coaching staff, Pat Shermer as a play caller, has left a lot to be desired. But they just haven't had the consistency at quarterback to build that up yet. And, you know, two weeks in a row, they draw a really, really stiff opponent. And I just think it's going to take time. You know, honestly, I think by the time this season is over and and knock on wood that Drew Locke stays healthy because that slide with the knee brace, man, for a second there, I'm like, figures, yep, here we go. This is it. But nevertheless, if Drew Locke stays healthy, I think by the time you get to the final quarter of this season, even if the Broncos aren't winning or they're not even a factor in the playoff push for the AFC, I think you're going to say, all right, you'll have – seeing how the offense comes together with Drew Locke. You'll have seen Pat Shermer kind of settle in. And this was something even Vic Fangio talked about earlier this week at the podium, that there hasn't been enough consistency at quarterback for Shermer to get into a rhythm and to get into a groove. But nevertheless, with his with his quarterback, but nevertheless, situationally, you got to see more. And you got to wonder as well, Zach, with it being Andy Reid and Pat Shermer being a former Andy Reid uh, you know, acolyte, if you will, how much that played a role into some of his cutesy calls today, like the botched flea flicker, um, et cetera. So I don't know. What what do you think is the biggest issue? It's both. Again, it's not one or the other. One hand washes the other. It, it's Shermer calling the plays and it's Locke on the field, making the reads and knowing where or where not to go with the ball. And I agree with some of the comments. Listen, again, I'm not up here being a Locke apologist. He did not play good today. It was unjustifiable. Bad reads, bad footwork, uh, didn't get rid of the football, took unnecessary hits. Uh, it's just a young quarterback being a young quarterback. And you can criticize him, but do I have to say he's a bust? Do I have to roll with the mob mentality? No, and I I will not. So it was him. He was bad. But Pat Shermer, whether he has consistency or not, you know, familiarity or not, calling the fourth and one shovel. I know I say it a lot. Calling the flea flicker. These are all things a veteran coordinator and a former head coach should never do in any situation. So I can't chalk it up to newness as as a, or consistency as a factor for that he is not getting help 100 percent of the way from his coaches and Locke is also failing his coaches and his teammates on the field it is both situations playing out and I do think with time you're going to see Locke with reps and, and exposure and time on task you're going to see him develop his ability to go through his progressions and read the field right now and especially if you're if he if a quarterback is young and pressing with it with inexperience 
he's not thinking clearly. That's what really bothered me when I heard him talk, mention the Chiefs earlier this week and the fact that he's a home team and then goes, you know, it's his team he grew up with and then goes into the whole Darth Vader thing, which was cute. And we had fun talking about it, but it just tells me that it's still factoring into the equation and it shouldn't. Uh, Tom jumping in, appreciate you, my friend up there north of the 49th parallel in Canada. This is a guy, Zach, that has really become just a consistent superstar in our community, supporting yes. MHH. We love you, my friend. He says, Skangs, quote, going to make Drew the best he could be. We should have kept him. Shermer's got to go. Thanks, guys. Are you ready to say Pat Shermer's got to go? No, I'm really not. I want to see a couple more games, and this is from one of the bigger Drew, uh, Drew Lock. This is one of the bigger Pat Shermer critics out there. It's too knee-jerk to fire him. The only coordinator the Broncos should fire is Tom McMahon. He's had his run, and his his unit is exclusively and consistently awful. Pat Shermer gets a few more games, and I think he'll get this season regardless, but whether the Broncos bring him back, uh, that's another story. They set the precedent by getting rid of Scangarello, who did a lot of good. With Locke last year, say what you want about his preparation and his game planning, but his play calling in certain situations was more creative. It fit Locke's skill set. The only creative play call we've seen from Pat Shermer to date has been that Locke touchdown keeper. That says a lot when, when his most creative play call wasn't even a passing play for his young quarterback. So I, I thought Skangarello did a lot of good, but to say Pat Shermer, again, there's a truth lying somewhere in the middle. He gets at least the rest of the season. Coach Chris, appreciate the support, my friend. Really does mean a lot to us. I did like the fact, Zach, that the Broncos under Pat Shermer got two tight ends going and three tight ends, honestly. There was balls going to Fant. took a little too long to get Fant really in a groove. But there were balls going to Fant, there were balls going to Van Nett, and there were balls going to Okaway Boonham. And we were doubtful, we were skeptical is probably a better word, how he was going to utilize multiple tight ends. I was actually more impressed today, and this doesn't mean anything. There's no long-term implication to draw from this. But I was more impressed today with Alberto's intensity and his performance than I was from Noah Fant. And that could just simply be Noah Fant you know, coming back from an injury, not quite being 100%. Chris Hernandez, 24-year veteran, Air Force. We love you, my friend. Bonafide superstar, MHH Mount Rushmore. He says, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Doesn't stop me from hashtag clicking those little thumbs up. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. But uh, what do you think of the tight end action today, Zach? Well, first of all, I will say no passes should ever go Vanette's way. I feel like Shermer's hot seat should be cranked up about 10 degrees every time he calls an intended Nick Vanette passing play. Second of all, I'm not going to laud a coordinator for getting two tight ends on the field involved when you use fairly high round picks on both of them. Third of all, I thought it was okay, but I give Noah Fant so much freaking credit for gutting through this game. He was not even close to 100%. It was bitterly cold. That ankle was bothering him, and he tried his hardest on the field. He left it all out there. I give that player, he's the real deal, Chad Noah Fant. I give him a ton of credit for that. So that's what I have to say. That's my observation from the tight end today. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today, it's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Ben Fuller jumping in. Thank you, Ben. A name we don't recognize on Super Chat. So welcome and welcome. thank you. Yep. Make sure you connect with us on Twitter. He says, big mistakes killed us. The defense held their own for a while, but can't have kick returns and pick sixes. The offense moved the ball, but couldn't find the end zone enough. And then he goes on to say, it cuts off here. Go Broncos. We can compete. So he's taking the ha- the glass half full approach. Let's talk about the defense just for a second here. And, you know, the Broncos, some, some weird um, statistical outliers in this game. The Broncos outgained the Chiefs offensively 411 yards to 286. All right. Passing yards, 185 for the Chiefs, 234 for the Denver Broncos. Time of possession. Let me find that. Where's the time? T-O-P. Uh, Broncos controlled it 33 to 26. All those stats, if you would have thrown that at me and said, who wins? After the fact, I would have said, man, the Broncos at least were close in this one, right? No. Why weren't they? Because of the self-inflicted wounds. And those self-inflicted wounds, the conclusion is not necessarily, oh, Drew Locke sucks. Oh, fire Pat Shermer. It's just that the Broncos chose against the most dominant opponent possible. They chose their worst game to not just play their worst ball, but to be uh, their own worst enemies, shooting themselves in the foot. You just can't do it and expect to compete with a juggernaut. They chose a bad time to be bad, and it it really is unfortunate in a snowy, uh, inclement weather type game. But when you hold, and I mentioned this point earlier, when you hold Mahomes to 200 yards, uh, one touchdown, he was sacked three times, and that one touchdown came in garbage time. The defense did enough to at least keep Denver in the game. And if you look up how many field goals the Chiefs had, that was the whole game plan, is limit the Chiefs and let the offense do the rest. The defense held up their end of the bargain, and the offense came up well short. You can't beat the Chiefs with four turnovers. You can't beat them by throwing pick sixes. You have to convert. And and that's, I thought we were going to get a closer type game the way the Broncos came out. It just never sustained that way. And they're still, they've proven, Chad, this has been the story of the last half decade. They've proven they are not yet good enough to overcome a deficit or a, a, a crippling turnover. No. I mean, maybe against a an average to below average team, not against an elite opponent. I mean, again, exactly, Zach, that's a great point, dude. You know, how often do you go uh, minus three and turnover differential and win on the road? Not often. And it's only against the jets. You can't do that against the chiefs. You can't do that even against the Patriots, you know, and the Patriots aren't the same team of old. That's a lesson that a young team like the Broncos right now, all their leadership, it's all the young guys. And, you know, they hone their leadership. They hone their, their, wherewithal as as young guys through the ups and downs and the experiences Naj jumping in with a very wow. generous super thank you my friend means You've so much to us. yes thank you Naj. really really means a lot he says the defense held their own great passion from bradley chubb and shelby harris no leadership on offense but they are young chiefs 0 for 8 on third down outgaining them by over 100 yards and still not competitive hope for Locke's confidence he rebounds next week zach 
I'm not really worried that this is going to be some confidence killer for Drew Locke. I'm really not. I think that, you know, this is just one of those, hey, man, we knew we were walking into a buzzsaw and we just didn't do anything to, you know, get out of the way, basically. And, you know, you just can't go too far deeper, too much deeper, too far deeper, too much deeper down the rabbit hole than that. As Christy says here, thank you, Christy. I'm still giving Locke the benefit of the doubt. He needs work and coaching. And Zach, more than anything, he needs time on task. Yes, 100,000%. And it, it, this loss was very reminiscent of the Chiefs' loss last year and had a lock response to that. He came out and beat the Raiders the next week fairly handily and went into the offseason with a lot of momentum. Whether that translates to a win next week, I don't know, but we've already, we don't have to guess how he handles adversity. We've already seen it last year. So this is not going to kill his confidence. It's not going to stun his development. Uh, I just want to see the Broncos give him more time under center and help him out with better situational play calling. I will say it until it gets better. Uh, he's being failed in that regard by his coaches, Jen. Justin Martin, appreciate you. He says, we beat ourselves today. We will bounce back and hopefully get a win next week. I think this year will be a success overall. And then Levi Hope jumping in, bona fide superstar. Thank you, Levi. Levi. He says, Locke was bad, but he still deserves 2020. Give him the season. Unfortunately, I can't stay for the pod, Denver Broncos for life. Well, hopefully, All good. I, I'm sure you're listening after the fact, my friend. We love you, Levi, and we agree. Ross Watson from across the pond in Ireland. Wow. Broncos Very country cool. is not a geographic location, y'all. It is a hashtag state of being. Appreciate you, Ross. He says, hello from Ireland. What does it say about us if we lose so badly and the de- and the defense is our best unit? What it says is that it's just still, you know, it's still a very young team quarterback by a young quarterback who is now nine starts into his NFL career. And this is his third game of the season. And it's his third game going against a juggernaut that is just, you know, I mean, the Raiders beat the Chiefs a couple weeks back, but it took literally the perfect performance. Like the Raiders had to play perfect and out coach and out game plan and out execute and out hustle and out want to the Chiefs. And they did it. And it was an outlier. And it probably won't happen for a long time. As much as Zach and I think that the Raiders are a team on the come, that was an outlier. Not often are they going to beat the Chiefs. And that's the type of game it takes. You have to play perfect ball, or at least, even if it's not perfect ball, Zach, you got to play mistake free. Four turnovers, you don't survive any game where you turn the ball over four times. Now, we can talk about why those turnovers came and you know who's to blame and all that, but it adds up. It says to me, to answer the question, it says to me the Broncos have a, a young head coach, young in the position, not young in life, who's a defensive mind. That's why the defense is good and the offense is still way up in the air. But uh, tack on to the last question about Shelby Harris blowing up on the bench. He yelled at his teammates, according to the CBS broadcast. I'm actually really encouraged. There's someone showing fire on the sideline. Now, you can point to the fact that it wasn't Vic Fangio the one doing it. I think it was Chubb, not Shelby. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean Bradley Chubb. I'm so sorry for that. I love the fact that he showed fire. Uh, but the, where was Fangio corralling his players? And also, you mentioned the point that the defense has leadership. The offense has none. Shouldn't that be the former two-time head coach in Pat Shermer, the quarterback whisperer, the coordinator? Where is he? Where is the the delegation? Where is the fire? Where is the coaching on the sideline? That's what I want to see more of. I want to see more hands-on coaching. At least Bradley Chubb spoke up and kind of aired some frustration that I'm sure is percolating in the Broncos locker room. Kenneth Booker, bona fide superstar in our community. Every single podcast he's here, and we appreciate him, and we love you. He says, Phil going down hurt us. The D gave us a chance. Yeah, Phil going down was a dagger. And, you know, I was thinking about this in the fourth quarter, Zach. I'm like, man, that would have been nice to have Phil. But I still don't think Phil was enough 
on his own. I mean, he was on pace to rush for about 200 yards today, but I still don't think it would have been enough because in the critical moments when the chips were down, key situations, that's when the Broncos offensively stepped on their own you-know-what. And who knows, maybe on that flea flicker, he doesn't sail it over Drew Locke's head on the pitch back, (laughs) and we could be talking about something entirely different. But, yeah, Phil hurt, but I still don't think if he would have stuck around, he would have been enough to – you know, assuage the bad juju the Broncos were obviously playing with on the offensive side. I'm sure if that was a box of wine, Gordon wouldn't have mishandled that channel. <laughs> and all I think is it proved Philip Lindsay once again, and raise your hand in the comments section, he can do everything and do agree that he is the Broncos RB1, and, and just he gives a different element to the offense. And you mentioned, Chad, it might not have mattered in the overall big picture, but when you have Philip Lindsay on the field, you're never out of a drive. You're never out of a game. You can always score in any situation. It's just his game-breaking talent. Him running to the same edge of the same offensive line looks a lot different than Gordon doing it. Why is that? That's the player. That's just the speed that he has. That's the dynamic that he brings to the table. And again, when you're paying Melvin Gordon $8 million a year and he has one more rushing touchdown, then he does fumbles. He has three fumbles and four rushing touchdowns now. And you have Philip Lindsay making $750,000. There's something wrong there. There's, there's a major disconnect. Philip Lindsay, like we predicted, he's going to get the RB1A carries when Melvin Gordon came back, but he's going to literally and figuratively run away with that job as the no doubt RB1. That's what I think he is, Chad. I agree. And we've been on that train since the beginning. Eddie Vasquez, appreciate you, my friend, jumping in again. He says the defense did hold their own. 43 points hurt, though. Yeah, but I really can't. I really cannot blame the Broncos for the defensive. Anyway, I would blame the defense off the top of my head for like 17, maybe 20 of those points, which <sighs> is enough to stop the Chiefs. Oh. Like, that gives the offense so. every opportunity in the world, yes. but that's not how it shook out. And then Jason jumping in, appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Really has come on strong of late, and it's good to have you in the stream, buddy. He says, 10 in a row, just being outclassed by a better run organization from the top down. Still love the insight, guys. Hashtag football priests. Still love our Broncos. I don't, I mean, outclassed maybe, but when you have the unicorn at quarterback, all things are possible, dude. All, I mean, when you have the unicorn and then you have Andy Reid, who I think even before he won the Super Bowl was a Hall of Fame caliber offensive mind, a Hall of Fame caliber coach. I think that win should put him over the top, getting him in, even though it's just one ring. Nevertheless, you know, it's just the right combination. And I will agree with Jason that from a draft perspective and a talent acquisition personnel, the Chiefs just make good decision after good decision. So maybe you can say that they are outclassed, but. You know, when you have that that unicorn at, at quarterback, man, it just it allows you to your your margin of error goes from like this in the NFL to this right. when you have that unicorn. Yeah, but you know, when you look at it objectively, the Chiefs to me have the better general manager in Brett Veach. They have the better, obviously, the better head coach in Vic Fangio. They have the better, you know, offensive coordinating staff in uh, Eric Bieniemy and also uh, Andy Reid. Uh, but you look at when I watch the Chiefs special teams, every single Chiefs Broncos game, Dave Tobbs unit chat is always performing well. And it reminds yeah. me the Broncos really should have hired him over Fangio. <laughs> they interviewed three guys in the 2017 cycle. Yeah. Tob and, and Joseph were two of them with Kyle Shanahan. So I, I would say the Broncos did out, get outclassed. The, they were better prepared schematically, game plan wise. They performed better on the field. And the score really says uh, uh, the final the final word here. They were really outplayed in every facet, Chad. Love this from KP. Appreciate you, bro. He says, is anyone else buying a Chiefs jersey? 
I ain't just bought another lock jersey. <laughs> hey guys, it's just Love a bump it. in the road. Go back and look at the game log from John Elway as a as a in his first two years as a pro and give yourself some perspective. Give yourself a little context here. James Moss jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, I would love for us to get the Niners defensive coordinator as head coach. Gets guys motivated. You know, listen, my my friends, um, the Broncos aren't about to move on from Vic Fangio barring like a complete collapse the rest of this season. Like if the rest of this season was a was was replete with games like this, if every game the rest of the year was Broncos 43 or, you know, getting blown out 43 to 16, 17, maybe. But Fangio's here to, to write it out, Zach, through the John Elway contract currently. And Elway's contract expires following next year. But even if he wasn't, even if the Broncos do move on, which I don't think they will either after the season, are they really going to go after another defensive-minded head coach and also a rookie head coach of that? I think at the bare minimum, the guy would come from the offensive side of the ball. Who that is, whether he's a veteran or uh, an experienced guy, remains to be seen. But I happen to think after the Vance Joseph and Vic Fangio failures, if that's what it goes down to be, they're not going to go back to that well. They will go for an offensive-minded guy, as they should be. Isaiah eleven twenty seven jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He says, Locke is our QB, but he needs coaching. Too many misreads and throwing off his back foot. He needs to get the team in the right play. I feel like we're too predictable at times. Thoughts? Yeah, I can see that and I can agree. But also I think at times where they they just make – I guess it's the same thing, being predictable. A perfect example is the pick six. We've talked – I've mentioned this already in this live stream also at halftime, but – you are dominating the, the point of attack offensively. You're picking up big yards with your dynamic running back. And then you decide to go on second and 10. I get it. It's second and 10. You need to pick up some yards. But what you need to be looking at is you need to make third down a manageable situation. And you've been dominating on the ground. Instead, they go shotgun empty. The defense goes, okay, unless this is suddenly a Cam Newton-esque draw-up-the-gut quarterback run, I can just tee off on on my zone and and really play aggressive. And that's exactly what Daniel Sorensen did and jumped that route. And to boot, because the Broncos were in empty, the Chiefs defense goes, all right, pin our ears back. Let's get after Locke. So they pressure him early up the gut, forces him to throw a little probably either, well, probably a little early, I would say, or just not clear. He just wasn't able to fully see and Sorensen jumps the jumps the route. Yeah. That was a coach, that was a situation where you can argue, yeah, Locke probably Shouldn't have thrown that ball, all right? And that's partly on lock, obviously. But that's a situation coaching-wise, Zach, where you would hope Pat Shermer would be a little more savvy and recognize how at that stage in the game, the bread was getting buttered. Yeah, you always want a coach to fit his system to the quarterback, not fit his quarterback to the system. And it seems like uh, someone brought up a great point to me on Twitter. I can't remember who it was exactly, so my apologies. But it seems like – they said Drew Locke wants to be Kyler Murray and uh, Pat Shermer's coaching him like he's Case Keenum. And that's that's a that's a juxtaposition of what the Broncos are going on right now. It doesn't seem like Pat Shermer has a plan or a consistent approach with Drew Locke. It's like, go long on this play and then throw three yards on fourth and five. There's, there's no consistency. There's no rhyme or reason. There's no creativity. The one time he was creative, Pat Shermer, it resulted in the Drew Locke rushing touchdown. So again, Locke needs to make better reads on the field, go underneath when Noah Fant's open, for example. But when you're dialing up 20-yard, low-percentage passes t- toward the sideline, when you have to pick up four or seven yards, that comes down to coaching and play calling. 
because Drew Locke, say what you want about him. This is a fact. He's taking his marching orders. As a young quarterback, he wants to go off script all the time. If it was up to him, he'd be calling his own plays out there. But he has to take the plays that Pat Shermer calls and try to deliver based on the reads that Pat Shermer designs. He is not getting helped out situationally by Shermer on a consistent basis. And I think that point is inarguable. Yes. And even Vic Fangio, you know, he's said that. If you read between the lines, Fangio has said that a couple of times up to this point. Kenneth Booker jumping in again. Appreciate you, bro. He says, Thank you. Positive note, the D was amazing today. And let's just to reinforce that, guys. I know we're already at 44 minutes. Man, where does the time go? But the Broncos held the Chiefs to 286 total yards. They did not convert one third down. Zach, you held Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs over on third down. Yes, the defense deserves all the credit in the world. You know, there were a few too many missed tackles today but that was a fine bone to pick because this was a team that gave you the best possible chance if you're an offense and a young offense to hang with and perhaps be in a position late in the game to beat the 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 Chiefs and the offense just screwed the pooch yeah I I would say they were amazing or close to it I would not say they were flawless though you mentioned the arm tackling Chad and that wouldn't that happened on the Sam Darnold touchdown run against the Jets that's just poor execution and lazy execution uh, on the behalf of the players and also Justin Simmons was responsible for the Mahomes touchdown late in the game he's still not having a great season there is still some kinks to be worked out they lost Mike Purcell to an injury um you know Bradley Chubb you know they're always scared when he gets off the ground slowly but they did play closer to amazing than not for sure Hopefully, guys, you saw that from Tom El Greco there that said, uh, sorry, the, the stream jumped him, and it's so hot and heavy today that we're having a, a few issues here. But he says, bring back Chad Kelly. He's available. We can we can rehabilitate him. Locke is still the man. No. Yeah, I, I'm no. not down for Chad Kelly coming back. That ship sailed a long time ago. And I would – I mean, the Broncos have made a lot of different personnel decisions the last couple of years that have gone – contrary to the to their previous kind of um you know the way they did things bring them we're trying to rekindle things i mean this year bring him back sylvester williams bring him back you know darius kilgo who knows maybe if things got really really bad at quarterback elway would consider bringing back chad kelly but i really doubt it if if chad kelly can't evade vacuum cleaners how is he going to evade an nfl pass rush i don't want they had his time he had his moment he blew it uh that ship has long sailed away into the sunset all right, let me grab this one here from Dickens. See Dickens jumping in. Oops, hold on one second. Bear with me. This one has been, this chat stream has been so fire that the stream itself just can't keep up with it. And we love it. From Dickens, he says, Why do these fans, and thank you for the super, my friend. Yes. Why do these fans think another Manning is going to fall into our laps? Locke is the future. He isn't going anywhere. I agree, Zach, that. You know, look, this is this is what this is the, your best possible option right now. Is Drew Locke flawed right now? Is he inexperienced? Is he young? Yes, all those things are true at this stage. But the Broncos, the biggest mistake they could make would be to show too much impatience and move on from a young quarterback who, as I've said, has a lot of franchise caliber tools. He just needs time on task and the proper coaching. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner put it all together and become that franchise quarterback in full effect. And, you know, honestly, if the, if he manages to keep the injury bug at bay the rest of this season, I do think those same Broncos fans in the stream right now that are woe is me. And that's fine because it, this is the gut reaction. This is the episode where, where it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to just get it off your chest and say what's on your mind and how you feel. That's what we want to hear the truth, how you're feeling in the moment. But the same fans that are saying, I'm done with Locke, turn the page. This, you know, he's not the guy. I think by the end of the season, honestly, are going to be singing a different tune. Yeah, it's the, it's the same knee-jerk kind of response. And I can't speak for every single Broncos fan out there, but who was really expecting Locke to be Manning, at least, at least initially? No one is Peyton Manning. Just like the point that Chad made, no one is really Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they are, to use Chad's word, unicorns. They are outliers. They are once in a generation, and you don't get to see them very often. Most Broncos fans, rational Broncos fans and, and media and analysts thought he was going to be a good to potential franchise quarterback, at least in year one. And he has, like Chad mentioned, the traits, the intangibles, and also the tangibles. But when you react to every single game, every single throw, you're never going to form a complete opinion on him. And you're not going to give him enough time to form that complete true opinion on him. They say every draft pick needs three years before you can judge them. That's especially true for quarterbacks. He's on his ninth start, guys. Let him get at least the rest of the 2020 season. And I'll be the first one, if he's not the guy, to say he's not the guy. But just give him the time. That's all he's asking. Aaron Lynch jumping in with a very generous super chat. One of our longtime wow. listeners and bona fide superstars. We appreciate Thank you, Aaron. And it really does mean a lot to us, my friend. He says he's got some good points here. He says teams in a building process keep talent by showing that the coaching staff can lead the team when the building is complete. I don't see that here. Chubb was justified in his frustration. We are not the team to beat Kansas City, but we need to see progress and if there's anything Zach that is I mean again the defense I think played mostly well today but if there's anything that really concerns me it's that in his three swings at the plate as the Broncos head coach the the Broncos have actually gone the opposite direction in terms of the not only are they losing to the Chiefs still that's sustained but good point Nick Fangio's getting blown out Vance Joseph at least in 2018 I can't think off the top of my head what was well 17 at least one of those games the final game was competitive but at least Joseph would kept the games competitive all the way down to the wire. And, you know, Vic, Vic Fangio, maybe it's because quarterback consistency is, is, has been a, a bigger problem for Fangio when you take all three games into consideration. But that is something to worry about a little bit. 
Well, I mean, he Vance had Von Miller too. He was wrecking the Chiefs' plans. He he was helping, uh, you know, keep those games close. But still, you're right. I mean, they've gone in the complete opposite direction. And Chubb, what I think he was doing was airing frustration that's boiling in the locker room. He's demonstrating that the defense is really tired of carrying the offense. And this is the same frustration that we've seen on Von Miller the last couple seasons. And when you analyze his social media posts or the way he handles media, we mentioned it, Chad, when we, when we covered that, that phone interview that he did, when he hung up on the radio, on uh, the radio host, he's frustrated be, with being asked about the same questions. And just as the defense and Bradley Chubb is tired of carrying the offense and the special teams and the coaching. Every single game, week in and week out, it, it gets old. And that's the frustration boiling over. The defense did enough today to where the Broncos should have beaten them. If you hold the Chiefs to 17 points, and you mean to tell me the Broncos can't score that with your lock? It's, it, that's why the defense is frustrated. They did enough. They held up their end of the bargain, and the rest of the team failed them. And it really was the turnovers. The Broncos moved the ball today. They outgained the Chiefs by many, many yards, okay? Yep. It was the turnovers that crushed uh, Brad Dutton jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He says, like like you guys have coached, Locke needs all uh, – have coached. Probably what he's saying is, like you guys have said, Locke needs all season. And we agree with that. And he's going to get it, barring injury. Uh, Broncos fan 13 jumping in. Sign Demarius Thomas if he can help the development of the young receivers and the offense in general. Yeah, I doubt that's going to happen. Zach, the, the young guys, you know, they were making plays today. But Locke, as opposed to the Patriots game where he was dropping dimes, especially vertically, he was on point last week. Those picks in the fourth quarter crushed his overall efficiency and his QB rating and the whole nine yards. But that vertical and just overall as a passer, that accuracy was way off today. And you can say, oh, it was a snow game and all that. But And there's probably some truth to that. That's part of the equation. That's part of the explanation. But I think it was just between the years he was pressing, he was overwhelmed, he was not on point, and he didn't give his wide receivers, for the most part, the best opportunity to have a game today. I don't know if that question meant him coming back as a coach or a player, but I don't know that what DT could teach the Broncos receivers except how to drop passes. Maybe and he, he brings nothing to the Broncos organization. He had his time again, but Tim Patrick is really the go-to guy right now. He's balling out. KJ Hamler will get involved. Jerry Judy will break out. And they still have Cortland Sutton. Part of the reason the Broncos moved on from DT is because they felt Sutton was the leader on the field and the locker room. Sutton's still around the team, even though he can't play. He's still giving his opinion and helping out the young receivers. And Tim Patrick, every single week, Chad, has some rapport with his young quarterback. And it's only a matter of time before the other young pass catchers get going. I'm not worried about the weapons. They have those in place. Let's grab this one from Nunzi, Robbie Nunz. And I'm sorry, my friend, this, this stream jumped your super chat, so we have to go in and put it in after the fact, or else we'd see your awesome profile pic there. But thank you so much for your generosity yeah. and your support. Thank you. Longtime listener of the show, longtime Mile High Huddle guy. Appreciate you, Nunzi. He says, uh, keep up the good work, fellas. Been having some issues, so haven't been around, but I'm a lock guy. But with all these offensive young weapons, we need an offensive-minded head coach to move these kids forward. Keep up the good work from Nunzi. Yeah, I mean, you can say that, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree that maybe Elway erred in terms of he should have he erred on the side of offense back in 2017 and hired Kyle Shanahan instead of going defense, defense, back-to-back. And in the case of Vic Fangio, let's look at what the playing field was opportunity-wise for John Elway to hire. Who was the only offensive guy that he hired really was – or interviewed was Zach Taylor, who ended up going to uh, Cincinnati, and Mike Munchak, who's an offensive right. line coach. He's not some visionary offensive guy. And I think Zach Taylor, now that he's got a quarterback over time, I think he's going to be okay in Cincy. But it wasn't a lot of 
the options weren't great in that last hiring cycle for offensive-minded guys, Zach, unless you were going to go back, open up the, the, the closet, pull out a skeleton, Mike Shanahan, and do that. <laughs> and you know what? Hey, maybe that was the opportunity because we know that Joe Ellis kiboshed it a year prior yeah. because he wanted Elway to, to go through a hiring process and interview guys. And if Shanahan emerged as the best choice, then in, okay. But he ended up not interviewing, or, or Mike Shanahan, I should say, was just not part of that equation in this last hiring cycle. It seemed like they lost out on the young guys in the, in the 2017 cycle, the Frank Reichs, the McVeighs, the Kyle Shanahan's. And then their, their choices after that were retreads like Mike Munchak or, you know, like Dallas to this offseason with Mike McCarthy. When you get to that point when there's no young offensive prodigies, you either have to go to the college ranks, you have to hire off of someone's staff or hire a retread. And I think the Broncos after Vance Joseph, they wanted experience. They wanted a no BS kind of guy who's going to come in and still his culture who's widely respected. I don't really necessarily blame Fangio for the offensive struggles. It's on his side of the ball. That's why they hired a former head coach who's the offensive coordinator now. That's his responsibility. Mark Langley from the top rope. Everyone knows the superstar, wow, MHH, Mount Rushmore wow. member, Mark Langley. And thank you. That's just, that's thank amazing. you, my friend. That just means so much to us, your generosity and, and, uh, you know, staying in touch. And Mark can't be in every single live stream like he, he has been in the past because of his work and, his personal life schedule and whatnot. And we understand that, but he listens to every pod and he shows love and support. And we appreciate you, Mark. He says, what's up, my guys. I still believe in Locke, And I hope you do too, as well. Let's not judge until the end of the season, but I still believe in him. And as far as Mahomes, he started on a playoff caliber team. Must be nice. Miss you guys. Hashtag football priest, hashtag MHH. And again, guys, that's why I really, I'm serious gang. You would be remiss to go overreacting and, you know, knee jerk because the Broncos got blown out against the Chiefs. And you know what? This wasn't even a game Patrick Mahomes went off. Like the Broncos, for the most part, defensively contained him. This yep. was just a game where the, the wheels fell off offensively in terms of the, the, the mistakes, you know, self-inflicted wounds. And when that happens, you just don't give yourself a chance to win. And I just think, Zach, all you can do in this game is is just say, look, this was they just had a bad day at the office and in against elite opponents like the Chiefs, small things compound and build up and good teams yeah. like we talked about on the halftime stream, they take one little slip up, all right, and boom, it's a dagger to the heart. They make the most of it and it's like they're, you know, it's it's nothing to them. It's it's like they're running on autopilot because that's what elite teams do. Yeah, and I was going to say great teams also win 43-16 when their when they're generational quarterback throws for 200 yards and one touchdown. The, the Broncos should feel, I think, a little encouraged, and it's not just trying to put lipstick on the pig here, that their defense did enough to, to win the game today. And if it wasn't for the self-inflicted wounds, the Broncos beat themselves, you could argue. And that's encouraging going forward that they weren't just blown off the field like the Jets. The Broncos are not the Jets. The Broncos are much better. And like Chad and I have been saying, or at least I've been intimating, they have the horses. They have the players. If there's just better coaching in certain spots, I think you can get more out of this team. I'm not jumping off a cliff. I'm not uh, naming Drew Locke a bus. I'm not saying they're going to go winless the rest of the year. Those are all too knee-jerk. But, Chad, they're all expected also after a very emotional, brutal loss on your home field to a hated rival. Jason Christopher jumping in. Thank you for the support, my friend. Thank he you. says, I still have optimism for Drew Locke. Go Broncos. And you should. Okay. Don't don't make more out of this loss than you than it deserves. Okay. This was just a bad game. They hyped themselves up. They pressed on offense. 
they didn't get a good contribution from the OC. They didn't get a good contribution from the quarterback. And, you know, I think there were some, some silver linings offensively, which I want to get to here in just a second, but it was just the self-inflicted wounds, special teams snafu. You just can't survive against a team like the chiefs. Uh, just jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Superstar. He says 220 yards passing per game for Locke in three games with one touchdown and four picks is going to get the job done. No more excuses. Figure out the QB position. Jess, there's no there. Whether you go back to the well in the draft, I hate to break it to you, my dog, or go out and sign someone. There's no quick fix. The Broncos have to ride out the storm and figure out whether or not Drew Locke can can develop these tools because he's got the raw tools. He's got so much about him that, that checks the franchise quarterback boxes. But the Broncos, and for fans, you know, there's no quick fix. There is no Patrick Mahomes coming in out of, you know, the 15th overall pick or whatever, 10th pick, whatever it was. That's a 50 more years down the road. That's how long it takes for a unicorn like that to come straight out of the draft into dominating the league from the from drop one. So at this stage, it's not so much bear down and hold on for dear life, but the Broncos at this stage, you know, they have to see what they have in Drew Locke and continue to develop him and show patience. And that's how young teams come together, all right? Now, look, this is not exactly apples to apples, but look at Jay Cutler's career arc in those three, I guess it was four brief years in Denver. Let's see, 06, 07, 08, yeah, three years, my bad. 06, he ends up taking over for Plummer, the team – collapses and misses the playoffs. Oh, uh, seven, the Broncos go seven and nine with Cutler as the full-time starter all season long. And it wasn't great. He had a few flashes, kind of like you see from Locke. Flashes, regression, flashes, regression. And the team just wasn't very good defensively. And then we learned after the fact that Jay Cutler was suffering from diabetes and he was losing weight and he didn't have energy and it affected his mental clarity and all that. But in 2008, Offense. Now, if they were to have been a better team defensively, that would have been a playoff team, and Mike Shanahan doesn't get fired at the end of the season. But it finally came together in 08. Jay Cutler gets a Pro Bowl nod. You see Brandon Marshall emerge. You see Eddie Royal emerge. You see a lot of young guys. It just comes together because the Broncos showed patience, stayed disciplined to their plan, and had consistency in the coaching department, Zach, and it paid dividends Now, for the player. Now, unfortunately, for the team, it didn't work out because of some of the other you know, extenuating circumstances and Shanahan got fired and then Cutler gets shipped off by McDaniels, but you got to be able to stay patient with a young quarterback and see him through his developmental learning curve, Zach, knowing that the unicorn ain't coming. Right. Exactly. And it kind of baffles me as to what Broncos fans were expecting from Drew Locke in his ninth career start in week seven of the second season. Were Broncos fans not expecting to see some road bumps and see some, you know, ups and downs and hiccup from a young quarterback? Because that's how it goes in the NFL, except when you're that unicorn. And we think, Chad and I, that he can be a franchise quarterback, but is he a unicorn? Probably not. He's not Mahomes, nor will he ever be. But to your point about development, he can't develop himself. So putting the entirety of blame on Drew Locke exonerates the coaching staff. And when you hire coaches specifically to develop your young quarterback, that should be an indictment on them as well. He's a young guy needing the perfect uh, coaching and technique and, and and just direction. And I don't think, based on what we've seen, that Pat Shermer and Mike Shula, specifically Shermer, are, is the one to get that done with your luck. All right, let's grab this super chat. It jumped in, but let's grab Jay Boss. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. I sure wish Peyton Manning would come coach this team as an offensive coordinator, as OC, as an OC, or, or as our head coach. I'm not sure. 
the syntax there. Drew Locke's mechanics lead to most of his mistakes. It's a problem. I agree, Jay, but again, it's hard to jump to to too many um, overarching conclusions when he hasn't received enough time on task. We need the full body of work. You know, it would be a lot more concerning. Here's an, here's what I mean by that. It, Zach, it would be a lot more concerning to me seeing some of the, as he talks about some of the mechanical uh, in, inconsistencies like we saw today from Locke that led to off-target throws and when we saw the pick six. And it would be a lot more concerning if he had started every single game up to this point and you saw that in week seven. But he started Tennessee, played solid. You know, if the Broncos have a better four-minute offense with a lead late in that game, they beat the Tennessee Titans, and Drew Locke is a hero. But they end up getting a bad drop from Jerry Judy. The rest is history. They It's not good. Then he gets hurt in week two, comes back, beats the Patriots, okay? Beats the Patriots, becomes the youngest quarterback in the history of Gillette Stadium to win at Gillette Stadium. And then he comes and has a bad game at, at, against the Chiefs. And, yeah, his technique was off big time today. It was not consistent at all. I can't jump to the conclusion yet with some of you guys. I just can't get there with you because there's not been enough time on task. And I think so many of you right now are so consumed by the disappointment and, and the blowout against the Chiefs yeah. that you're you're missing the forest, right? For You know, the old saying, you're, you can't see the forest for the trees. You know, you're missing the forest because you're focusing on one or two trees that are kind of ugly and infected with like, you know, some kind of fungus or something. And you miss the the, the big picture. Yeah, and I just, to the Broncos fans, this happens every time in a Broncos loss or when a Broncos quarterback doesn't play well. Will Peyton Manning come back? He's not coming back to the Broncos to be a head coach. He's probably not coming back to be a general manager or anything less than an owner. So these pipe dreams, Mike Shanahan, Peyton Manning, it's not happening. John Elway being the head coach or coming back to playing quarterback. Those are not happening, guys. Just hang in there. I know it's an emotional loss, and it'll wear off like a bad hangover after a couple days. You'll see things a little more clearly that, Let's see how he rebounds. This is a litmus test for Drew Locke going forward, and you want him to be put through this adversity now as opposed to later in the season or even in a playoff situation. It's good for a young quarterback to go through these ups and downs. It's good for a quarterback to learn by failing. It's how they get better. JT, longtime listener, bona fide superstar from across the pond, one of the listeners in our community that exemplifies the hashtag state of being. Appreciate you, JT. Thank you. He says, I struggle to see Shermer's plan, guys. He's trying to fit Locke into his system when he should be fitting his system to Locke. It has to change. That's a good point, Zach. I made that exact point earlier. He has to be flexible and not make Locke something is. And I referenced, you know, him coaching like he's Keenan when Locke wants to be Kyler Murray. And that's, again, on the coaching. You can't fault Locke for how he's being handled. You can't fault Locke for the place he's being funneled in his helmet. He's following marching orders to an, an extent. We criticize him for his mechanics and his footwork and his reads, sure. But everything else, he's being let down by his superiors. I think that's pretty indisputable. We got one here from Carlos Oliva jumping in. Thank you, my friend. Thank Appreciate you. you. Locke needs to improve seeing the open receiver and footwork too. And Agreed. I don't disagree. You know, we the footwork needs to improve. He needs to be more disciplined and cognizant of that. He needs to work on it more. And yeah, I think the whole missing the open receiver thing in the in the passing concept, it's hard to to know for sure how much of that is on him. Hear me out. Because we don't know what he's being told in the in right. the earpiece, we don't right. know right. how strongly he's being controlled from a from a decision making perspective. It could simply be that Shermer says, "Here's the play. You know your hot read. You know what the ultimate objective is of this play. Do your thing. Go through your progression. Find your man." Or it could be the last message Drew Lock hears before the, the sound goes out in his ear is, "Here's the play call. Here's your hot read. 
you know, we if it's there, we'd really need you to hit this hot reader. Here's this, you know, the second route in this. We don't know exactly what the, is being communicated, but Carlos, I'm there with you. Too many missed wide open receivers. And especially there was that one shot, Zach, down the field where he threw way long into double coverage and it showed a wide open no offense underneath. It's like, you know, take what the defense gives you. Yeah, and that's a point I, I, I was going to make that uh, it's to an extent it's past Shermer's play calling. It's the way he's being handled. And we don't know the situations or what he's being told, not just on Sundays, but also during the week. We don't know what he's being drilled into his head. Uh, listen, be aggressive. Based on Pat Shermer's last press conference, it seemed like they wanted to be aggressive because it beat the Patriots and to be aggressive for the sake of being aggressive, no matter if it fit the situation or not. So if he's being told to be that way, if he's being trained that way, it's like training a dog. You can make any dog into a vicious killer. It's just how you train them. And you train Drew Locke to be an aggressive, overly aggressive quarterback, always looking for that big play and not taking what's underneath him. We can't really render a judgment on that without knowing the, the, the full picture. But I, I happen to venture a guess, as Chad hinted at, that Shermer, more likely than not, is telling him, listen, when it's there, try for the deep ball. All right, let's grab this one from Big John Mortensen jumping in. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Appreciate you. He says, our football priests need a clergy. <laughs> That's a good idea. That's a, that is a good idea, and I, I have received your DMs, my friend. I've just had a really busy couple of days doing some traveling, so I appreciate your support, and we will circle back and look at that. The link, though, by the way, gang, for the merch store is in the description, but it's easy to remember. Huddleuppod.com. All right, here's uh, – I don't know what this tweet is. Biocore88 on Twitch is trying to show us from James Palmer. I'm going to look it up uh, – I don't know, John, if you can find it, let me know and, and shoot me the link in the DM and I'll see if I can throw it on. on uh, yeah, if you got one on Facebook, John, throw it up. It's all good. Um, all right, let me see what else we've got here from Leroy. Good to see you, Leroy. Please answer this question <clears throat> on Facebook. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says, who would you rather have calling plays on offense, Shermer or Mike Shula? That is a good question because Shula, you could argue, is just as if not more accomplished as a play caller in the NFL as Shermer. At this stage, though, I got to say, I mean, it was Shula that coordinated that 2015 Carolina Panthers offense that was a juggernaut with with Cam Newton. So just to give you some perspective, he's had some success at a few different spots. I'm surprised Mike Shula's never been an NFL head coach, to be honest with you. Like, he's had a few really good um, opportunities. He's the former head coach of Alabama Crimson Tide, for what it's worth. But what's your answer for Leroy here? Well, we've seen since he's been back from injury, we've seen one decent game from Drew Locke, you know, barring the missed, you know, catches and touchdowns we saw against the Patriots and one bad game with Locke. Um, I would want to see, as much as I don't like his play calling, I want to see Shermer with a couple more games with Locke under center, again, to form a complete and fair opinion. I don't want to be knee jerk. That being said, though, if things still look bad, if we're still complaining about the same things we're complaining about four or five weeks from now, I give Mike Shula a shot. What do the Broncos have to lose? Maybe he's a younger guy and he connects with Locke on a different level. You never know what could be the magic cure. But if Schirmer's not cutting it, they need to find the guy who will cut it. Gavin Holvick jumping in. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you. He says, Peyton Manning led the league in picks his first year and was called a bust by others. Fire Schirmer and Fangio. It's an issue. Coaching is the problem. You know, Fangio... On the defensive side, the Broncos came to play today. That, they weren't the issue in this particular game. It was on the offensive side. And, you know, we've been critical already today of, of Shermer. And I just think that at this stage, the only hope fans have, should have, and really the only hope the Broncos have at this stage offensively, Zach, is more time on task between 
between Shermer and Locke together playing games, going through the bumps in the road, the trial and error, the learning curve, because there is a lot to be learned today. This was something the television broadcast made clear at the end, and it's true. There's going to be a lot from the film for Drew Locke and Pat Shermer to learn from today. And, you know, don't get too crazy, but Zach, if here's why you should have a little bit more optimism on Pat Shermer. What if I were to tell you that the two guys who led the, the team in targets today were tight ends? Albert O, seven uh, targets. Uh, excuse me, Noah Fant, seven targets. Albert O hauled in all seven for 60 yards, leading the team. Fant, for whatever reason, he and, and Locke weren't quite on, on uh, point. It's probably because he's missed some time. Three receptions, 38 yards. Then you throw in Vanette, who was targeted three times. I never would have guessed coming out of that game, even expecting that, hey, you got to weave Okaway Boonham into the, into the game plan. I never would have guessed that Pat Shermer would have schemed 17 targets to the tight ends. And that just tells me that he is smart enough to recognize kind of like, all right, I got to make the most of my personnel and where my strengths are. And, you know, it's just going to take more time working with this young group of guys and the young quarterback staying in the game, staying on the field. And I think you'll start seeing it stabilize against teams that aren't necessarily juggernauts on a week in and week out basis. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I guess he deserves credit for adapting because he's not a, a historically tight end heavy kind of offensive schemer. But when you're down Cortland Sutton, when you lose Philip Lindsay, when Melvin Gordon's being unreliable and Jerry Judy's being unreliable dropping passes, who else do you have to go to? I, again, I'm not going to laud a coach when you have two highly touted tight ends for using them in the same game. This is a former head coach that's been there twice now. In terms of Fangio, I agree the defensive uh, game plan or preparation wasn't really bad, but you mentioned the Broncos still viewing the Chiefs as this big brother or this this big sacred thing and this being. That's on Fangio to get the Broncos over that hump as the head coach of the team. It falls at his feet. It's up to him to, for the Broncos to come out and have the intensity and the want to and be prepared. I don't think the Broncos were prepared to beat the Chiefs today based on what we saw. Yeah, the energy, <clears throat> the intensity level, I think they, they wanted it almost too much. It's almost like, you know, they were so desperate to win that they became, they, they, they ended up pressing. Right. And the defense, they were able to contain their intensity and use it for the, for the offensive side. For what, it's hard, hard to explain, articulate exactly what I mean, but they just, again, you know, the Chiefs living in their heads rent-free. I don't think it was the defense's fault this week. It was the offense and shooting themselves in the foot. Broncos fan, 13, jumping in again. Appreciate you. you. He says, bringing in a veteran quarterback like Tyrod Taylor could help with Locke's development. And I agree, Zach, that Mm-mm. I think the Broncos at this stage, in hindsight, you and I were like, you know what? It's probably better to bring in a lesser-known, lesser-established backup because – you don't take away from the posture in the locker room that Locke is the guy, like there's no question. But at this stage in hindsight, that kind of that bringing in Jeff Driscoll is the fail safe, I think was one of the categorical mistakes of the front office. And Blake Bortles is their answer. Like they re-signed him to the practice squad after they cut him. He's the guy that's supposed to be that Tyrod Taylor that Broncos fan 13 is talking about. That's probably as good as you're going to get this year as far as that, you know, that mentor type. What is Tyrod Taylor going to teach Drew Locke how not to be a franchise quarterback? And what is he going to teach him that he can't learn from Blake Bortles? So I don't want any more of these bridge guys. I don't want any more of these name guys. Locke is going to learn not by someone teaching him or by looking at pictures. He's going to learn by being on the field and throwing touchdowns as well as interceptions. That's how Locke gets better. Kenneth Booker. <laughs> Appreciate you, dog. He says, <laughs> maybe he, wine. <laughs> he never would have pitched it. Fair point, dude. Um, 
Let's grab Based Gase. Man. And by the way, Based Gase, if you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out and connect with us because <clears throat> I've tried to find you on Twitter and there's no Based Gase on Twitter. And so we like to shout out our superstars after each podcast on Twitter. He says, I'm done. I am so done with hearing that it's okay for Kansas City to embarrass us because they have a good team. When can we point the finger at Elway and Joe Ellis? Ownership is as bad as the coaching. I would agree. In fact, what I would say, based case, is that the ownership situation is worse than the coaching. The ownership situation, and everything trickles downhill. You know, you would you would hope that John Elway, being the leader of the football operations side, being the president, the lead executive on the football operations side, would be enough to keep that ownership lack of clarity, lack of, you know, well, lack of ownership. There is no ownership vision that he could be that vision. But, you know, maybe it's a guy that's juggling too much. I don't know. But but John Elway, yeah, I mean, I'm reading the book from Jason Cole. We had Jason Cole on the show a few weeks back when his book uh, on Elway, A uh, Relentless Life is what it's called, Elway, A Relentless Life, came out. And I've been reading it. And we'll go through some of the <clears throat> takeaways on the read uh, when the time comes. But one thing that makes evident is just Elway's competitive drive. Nothing is – no one is is hurting more. No one is more pissed off right now that the Broncos got blown out in a 10th straight loss to the Chiefs than John Elway. Now, that doesn't make it okay. That doesn't mean that we can't um, criticize the front office. But I don't think today was a failure per se of the ownership. I don't think it was a failure per se of John Elway. It was simply a team that is young and just nowhere close to the Chiefs. That's just nowhere close at this point. We we hoped maybe they could have inched a lot closer. But, Zach, if you have Vaughn Miller in this game, I still don't think the Broncos are really all that much closer. Maybe if you have Cortland Sutton. I don't think so in this game, though, because Locke was off. Locke did not have a good day. A game, something was off between the years. I think the only people affected by the ownership are Joe Ellis and Elway and also the fans. The ownership isn't responsible for a fourth and one tight end shovel. It's not responsible for people dropping touchdown passes. It's not responsible for Drew Locke throwing a pick six or having bad coaching. None of that, it it goes hand in hand with the ownership. So you, you like to see it get worked out and it is hanging over the Broncos facilities like a black cloud. But none of that is the reason the Broncos are where they are right now and the way they lost today. It, it doesn't fall on the ownership or lack thereof. All right, Zach. <clears throat> Excuse me. We are at one hour and 16 minutes, and we still have a few super chats stacked up. And, Richie, this is a good point. He says, lock through that pick super early because he didn't want to get hit. And I think there's some truth to that. There is some truth to that, but it's also <clears throat> you got to keep in mind the Broncos made it really easy on the Chiefs to get that early pressure by going empty on a second and 10 after they had just dominated and blown them off the ball um, on the ground. Like, make them think. Make them have to consider what they're doing. I mean, think back to all those years, Zach, with Peyton Manning and getting out to those big leads and whatnot, and guys like Vaughn and Demarcus where just knowing what's coming because teams have to throw – Pinning their ears back, it just makes it so much easier all across the board when the defense can see you're in shotgun, you're empty, you're throwing the ball. Easy. And, and yeah, that doesn't excuse Locke for making a bad decision and a rushed throw, but it's part of the equation. It's also the reason, I mean, he's been behind two offensive lines two years in a row that got him injured now. So he's kind of stunned in that way where he has to kind of fade back naturally and instinctually because he got hit the first couple games because there wasn't a right tackle, um, a real right tackle in the lineup. So that's all gets worked out with playing and experience. But this is the problem that Chad and I were worried about. 
the Broncos turning Drew Locke into Josh Rosen, letting him get hit and battered and get that that beaten dog kind of mentality where he doesn't want to get hit. And you know, that's that's the worst thing you can do for a quarterback is subject him to that where it affects his play. John, do you have uh John Mortensen's second super, Justin Martin, Drew H jumped in, uh Aaron Lynch, JP, Tanner. My but the the one I have closest to me that I can grab is Jeff C's most recent super, and then we're caught up. Uh Justin jumping in. Love you, bro. Really appreciate your consistency. You. And if you're on Twitter, reach out and connect. He says the most frustrating part of the game was that there were only two plays that took us out of it. We were moving the ball and would have had a chance. Um, two plays, I would say there were four plays that took the Broncos. Well, if, if you're looking at it from a flow perspective, yeah, there were two plays in the first half that crushed the Broncos' chances of really being in this game. But it just comes down to, guys, the turnovers, all right, four turnovers plus a kick return. Yeah, Most NFL teams, even the worst in the league, you don't survive that. You just don't. Yeah, and you know what? We can talk about the what-ifs, and they were only four plays away, but is that the standard we want for the Broncos? We were only four plays away from beating the Chiefs. I mean, that's not that's not what Fangio intended out or the Broncos intended to be this season, so I'm not going to find much comfort in that kind of spin. All right, we got Big John Mortensen jumping in again. Let me grab this second super from him. Love you guys, and your support means everything to us. Thank you so yeah. much. He says, uh, win or lose, Broncos in my blood. And, yeah, I mean, guys, let's just put some perspective on this, all right? This is week seven. The Broncos are two and four. You know, they started 0-3 and, and came out of that 0-3 hole 2-1. and one. They still have plenty of time left to make this a fun season that has some January implications, all right? And, you know, when we get to tomorrow to, to the Aftermath podcast on Monday evening, you know, we can start looking ahead to what the near future holds. But, you know, the Broncos, let's see, going into week eight, which was their buy, all right, real quick. Now they've got, you want to see Herbert, what Herbert's got? Justin Herbert's coming to Denver. And you're going to see Herbert and Locke head-to-head for the first time next week. I don't want to get too much into it right now. But, Zach, my point here is that the Broncos, you know, they dug themselves a hole. They had some really terrible luck with the injury bug. They got a young quarterback who's now bounced back, beat a tough team on the road, set a bunch of historical precedents in, in so doing came back against the best team in the league and defending world champs, had the worst, arguably the worst game of his career. I think this was probably the worst performance of Drew Locke's young NFL career, but there's still plenty of row left to hope. Yeah, I mean, you know, take it or leave it, but don't throw out throw out your number three jerseys just yet. I mean, at least give it the rest of the season because the Broncos will be playing some exciting football. They're getting healthier. They have the talent, as they demonstrated today on defense, to make games competitive. If the offense can pull its weight and lock and blossom, uh, this could be the a, a rest of a fun season in store in Denver. Drew Hollenbeck, one of our superstars jumping in. Appreciate that, my friend. He's still got his handle, Zach, is Drew H. Buy some swag. Appreciate you, Drew. He says, uh, the Super Bowl champs took advantage of a young team still learning and making mistakes. Who would have seen this coming? Now, maybe you could say, Zach, that I tried to, to, oops, sorry, John, wished it into existence. Go ahead and throw that up now. By picking the Broncos in the Mile High Roundtable, and there's probably some truth to that. But, and yes, Thank you, Drew. There you can see he's rocking the football priest hat, rocking the face mask. But, yeah, I mean, we knew it was going to take, I wouldn't say a miracle for the Broncos to beat the Chiefs, but it would take a perfect game, a mistake-free game at the very least. And and I think the defense, they didn't play mistake-free because those four missed tackles on Clyde Hilaire's for, uh, touchdown run and then the missed tackle on Justin Simmons allowing Tyreek Hill to, to scoot in in garbage time 
And then even that final drive that had uh, Chad Henney come in, you know, Shelby Harris losing his composure and giving them a new set of downs. And then they, you know, they didn't play perfect, but they kept that game within striking distance for if the offense at least plays an average game. If that offense comes in and plays even average and just doesn't turn the ball over and moves the ball at the, at the rate that they did, again, guys, I want to remind you, the Denver Broncos in Week 7 against the Chiefs, 411 total yards. That's the, that's the record for the year. That's their best total yardage um, point for the season, right? Third down, still not good, though, Zach, 5 for 14. But so many of those third downs were third and longs. They didn't set themselves up well. Play calling, offensive coordinator got to go back to the drawing board. But there were some positives to take away from this. Don't go uh, knee-jerking too hard quite yet. There's a lot of season left to go. Yeah, I agree with Drew's point here. And how many of you guys out there had the Broncos splitting with the Chiefs this year? I know I did. I have the Broncos actually losing this game and winning in Kansas City. Whether that happens or not, I don't know. But uh, the Chiefs are a very good team, and the Broncos are a very young team. And regardless of how Locke or the snow or the injuries or how this year played out, it was always going to be that way. Whether you want to deny it or not, cover your eyes, close your ears. The Chiefs are better than the Broncos tenfold right now. There's no comparison. doesn't mean the Broncos can't be in the future, but right now uh, the Chiefs are definitely, Chad, far and away the cream of the West crop. I'd say they're the, the cream of the NFL crop, to be honest with you. If you can have an average game from your quarterback, like just a not good game and win 43-16, to 16, you're a juggernaut. That's exactly what the Chiefs are. Aaron Lynch jumping yeah. back in again. Wow, thank you, my friend. Thank you, Aaron. Really appreciate you. He says, Jensen, Kelberman, love your input. Just got to throw some water on the toxic fan base flames. There is a lot to work on. But if we move on from every player that struggles, we'll sure. never develop. Hashtag no quick fix. Hashtag bleed orange and blue. Well said, Aaron. Thank you for the perspective. Guys, there is no unicorn named Patrick Mahomes coming in to save the Denver Broncos from, you know, going through the, the learning curve. They got to go through the trial and error learning curve with this young core with Drew Locke at the center. There's no getting around it. This is the ups and downs. I mean, think back to every young quarterback you've ever seen play in Denver or not, even thinking back to Pax and Lynch, even thinking back to Trevor Simeon. I mean, that's going back five years now. Every young quarterback has flashes of brilliance and flashes of uh, plays where you scratch your head and thinking this guy's a bust. That's going to be with Drew Locke. This is not the last bad game he's going to have. But last week was also not the you know the last good game he's going to have either. He will come back and impress, and you will say, wow. He will have the game where he throws for 350 yards and three touchdowns, and you're thinking, you know what? We don't need Justin Herbert. We don't need Trevor Lawrence. We have our guy right here. And a lot of Broncos fans were thinking that way coming into today, and now they're going back to the tank for Trevor route. It's the fickle nature of an NFL fan base, and I can't say I'm surprised. And, guys, we don't blame you for being disappointed. All right, That's not what we're saying what we are saying, though, is try and have a little perspective. All right, just try and balance a, a little, little. Just a little okay. bit. <laughs> Tanner C. jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Very generous. It means a lot yes, to us. Thank you. He says, what's up, fellas? Bad game for sure. I'm a coach, so let me harp on that. Why in the loving universe is Shermer chopping the field in half by running boots on important downs? So many bootlegs on third down, it was expletive painful. I agree. And they just – that whole boot game, what's ironic, Zach, is that Drew Locke should thrive in those boot situations. But you got to call them situationally in the right moments, and that's just not something that Shermer's been able to quite get down yet. Yeah, careful for those uh, pitchforks, Tanner. It'll be coming out at you. You question the Broncos coaching and not you know, not the Broncos solely the quarterback. But it's true. It's, it just comes down to situational football. And I think Shermer has Locke on the right track overall in the big picture, being aggressive, taking shots down the field. 
playing north and south, but situationally, he leaves a lot to be desired. And based on the comments, Chad, I was kind of alone in this opinion four weeks ago, five weeks ago. It seems like every other comment now is coming around to the Broncos coaching being the the culprit here. It's not solely on Drew Locke. It's both. Jeff C. jumping in. He says, here is some perspective, and thank you for the support, Jeff. Yes. Raiders blew out KC. Raiders just got blown out by Tampa Bay. On Locke, he looked awful. Let's see how he responds. Yeah, I mean, I was curious to see how he would come out of that um, Patriots game after those two picks in the fourth quarter, wondering, hey, can he bounce back against a tough opponent, against the Chiefs? Turns out that maybe some of the juju residual you know, lasted into, into week seven. But Jeff's right, man. It's going to be key to see how, how and if he can bounce back from this game. And, you know, this is – a learning opportunity. This was a bad loss, but you've got another divisional matchup coming up here in the Chargers at home. You've got to make the most of it. And I want to put it out there again. I, I will say, uh, you know, objectively, Locke played bad today. I'm making no bone about that. He was not good enough. But I happen to think, as Chad does, as some Broncos fans do, or at least a large majority of the fan base does, he has his best days ahead. We have not seen Locke's ceiling. We have not even seen the middle of what Locke can be, the middle of his ceiling, the middle of the house. We've seen the floor. We haven't seen anything else than that. Give him some time, and he will make believers believe again in the Broncos. And guys, when you talk about what we've seen, it's like Corey here. I'm going to get to Corey's super here because it's very apropos, but... We've seen some some really impressive feats from Drew Locke, all right? Not only does he win his, his debut against Phillip Rivers and the Chargers last year, uh, last year but then he goes on the road and beats the eventual AFC South champs, blows them out, almost similar to how this game went, except it was an offensive explosion on the Broncos' part. Then he comes, lose, gets trounced by the Chiefs in the snow and arrowhead, wins his final two, finishes 4-1, and one, almost beats Tennessee. And again, almost, you can't hang your hat on that, almost beats Tennessee, then gets hurt, then goes on the road when he comes back and becomes the youngest quarterback in NFL history to win at Gillette Stadium. Then he comes back, gets blown out. It's not like, I mean, so many fans right now, the tonality coming out of these comments is as if Drew Locke has done nothing but suck it up since he took over as a starter and nothing could be further from the truth. JP jumping in, fellow drummer. Appreciate you, my dog. Good to see you. Says, I hope Locke can take bigger steps forward this season. He hasn't shown the disciplined decision-making that he needs to win. You can't force success. Zach, really good points here. Not only can you not force success, but there's no, I reemphasize guys, there's no unicorn magically coming in to save this team from the natural learning curve process that they have to go through to relearn as a young team how to win. Right. You can't force success and you can't speed up natural development. You have to let it play out as it does. It's it's a glacial process. It's very, very slow, but there are steps you have to take along that. And one of those steps is going through and grinning and bearing the interceptions, grinning and bearing the losses, because those failures will turn into successes if he's handled and coached correctly going forward. All right. Two more. And then we're out of here. As Corey H says here, thank you for the super Corey. He says, R-E. L-A-X. Yes. Relax. Appreciate that. And then Christy showing some love at the end, the queen of MHH. Also thank some you. perspective too. And we thank you as well. Nothing but love. Appreciate you, Christy. But that's got to do it for tonight's episode of the Huddle Up podcast, the gut reaction. And listen, as I, we said earlier, this is the, the forum. This is the opportunity for everyone to be more emotional. All right. Coming out of this game, coming out of this day, we'll all circle back. Zach and I will be back in the saddle tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. 
we'll sift through the aftermath and look at what lies ahead more. All right. And some of the other lessons to be learned from this week seven, you know, we didn't at this because we go live immediately following the game. We don't know what Vic Fangio said. We don't know what Drew Locke said. Now there's going to be a lot of um, storylines to talk about tomorrow night. And it's going to be fun to go through it all with you. And Aaron, by the way, jumping in again late too. Appreciate you, my dog. Thank you. He says, I know it's running late, but my new work schedule doesn't let me catch these live anymore. Just throwing some love while I can. Thank you, Aaron. It means a lot, my friend. And it allows us to keep bringing you this content and go, you know, keep our nose to the grindstone and, and in mind board, so to speak, coming up with new ideas to give you great content. And a forum, Zach, for everyone to sound off and get their takes yeah. in. That's part of what this live stream podcast has become over the last year. Yeah, and you know what, guys? I know what it's like to be a super hardcore vested football fan where it just feels like your life is crumbling down with a bad loss. And take tonight, you know, revel in the misery, revel in the loss, feel bad for yourselves, eat ice cream, whatever you have to do to get over it. But starting tomorrow going forward, we're going to have more clarity on tomorrow's uh, you know, day after podcast, we're kind of going to break down why all hope is not lost in Drew Locke, nor the Broncos for the season. Just take tonight, but also going forward, you're going to see better days, better performances, a better offense. This was a low point, but there's nowhere to go from here, but up, and they soon will. All right, last last thing for the for the um, glass half empty gang out there, Michael saying this pod should be called the Lock Excuse. All right. For, henceforth, we're rebranding Zach as the yeah. Lock Excuse Podcast. Look, sure. Lock was bad today. He's got to be better. But we're not going to join you jumping off the cliff. All right. Sorry. Too, way too early. Been, been around the block enough when it comes to the NFL, when it comes to the Broncos, to know you can't go jumping off the cliff quite yet, especially with what we've seen from this kid. Again, I remind you, and like hear from um, from Donald, four and one was an aberration. He says last year. I can't go there with you, dude. I think right now you're you're just letting the the darkness hang in your heart a little too much. Yeah, Locke's got to get better, and I think with time, there's there's more reason to believe at this stage what we've seen from him that he will than he won't. With that said, Zach, what do you got? I was just going to say the closing point here is that we've done everything but make excuses. And I've come out four or five times and looked at the camera and said, I am not saying he didn't play bad. I am saying it was unacceptable how he played today. So making excuses, no. Telling it like we think it is and giving our opinions, yes. That's how we feel about Locke. And just like you out there, we're allowed to have our opinions on the Broncos quarterback. We're not blowing smoke. We're not being overly negative or, or, or positive. We are telling it like it is based on what our eyes saw and what our brains are relaying after what we witnessed, Chad. Not an excuse. All right, guys. We got to bounce for now and dip on out of here. Thank you so much to each one of yes. you for spending some time with us here tonight. A mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars and our Facebook supporters. We love you. Follow the podcast on Twitter, as you can see here at Huddle Up Pod, also at Mile High Huddle. Follow my partners at Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen on Twitter. We'll be back tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Zach, have a great start to your week, my friend. You as well, my friend. Can't wait to break down the aftermath. It's going to be fun. We'll see you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, gang. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. 
Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 